Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody. Ethan here. Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things blues. It's episode number 36. It's the Troy Brower episode. You know, Ethan, I, I really, really try my best to look at all of the numbers that have played. <coughs> As we're just going to keep going here with this episode, I really try my best to look at every single one of these players, take everything into account. 36 is just a number you don't see. You just don't see it. I mean, these are guys who have all played with the Blues who have maybe, I don't know, they're, they're, it's not a very common number. You don't see much. These guys are maybe playing like 15, 18, two games. You know, they're all wearing this number. Troy Brower, and I tell you, Matt Degasini here was a close, close second. But Troy Brower, in my opinion, takes the cake here for this one. He played, I'll say, two seasons. I'll say two seasons here with the Blues. I mean, it was 82 games here for 15-16 and then 13 games here for 19-20. But it was that 15-16 season, his 18 goals, 39 assists, that don't do it for me. It's the postseason that did it for me. And I think it does it for all Blues fans because if for those who don't know, 15, 16, like it was the season that truly started to turn things around for St. Louis. They played the Hawks in the opening round, took them to game seven, and Brower scores this amazing goal. If you get the chance, go into YouTube and look at Troy Brower. St. Louis boat blues postseason goal. It's it's just I I cannot I cannot express how much I was so happy here for this because it was just this the, the blues finally finally overcame the hurdle of the Hawks. I was walking around my apartment at that time with my wife. This is before I had kids. This is before you know anything like this. And I'm walking around from room to room with my tablet, watching this game. And Brower scores the goal. I set it down, and my my arms went in the air. And it wasn't just because of the goal. It was because the Blues have finally done it. They're making it beyond the first round. They made it past the Hawks. They're, they're going. They have finally hit this point. And it was Troy Brower who did it. The former Blackhawk which just is huge insult to injury. But it was it was Brower's goal here that did it. And again, if you get the chance to be able to go back, if you haven't watched it, if you haven't lived it, just do yourself a service. Just go back and just rewatch it just because. Just because. Yeah. So episode 36, absolutely. It's it's Troy Brower for me. Yeah, that was uh one of the only things I remember from him being here was that goal. Yeah, uh, I was watching it probably 40 feet from where I'm at right now um, <laughs> with my dad. That was a great memory. That postseason run 
obviously, mm-hmm. you know, getting to the conference final. And then, you know, obviously things change. You get to 19 and then you actually overcome that hurdle and mm-hmm. you get that done. But it's easy to forget that Brower played a little bit in uh, the year after 2019. Right. In uh, 1920. I remember a little bit of him playing for that team. Somewhat like I think I remember he scored in Buffalo, I want to say that one goal he scored that season, which it's only a few seasons ago, so it's not that long ago, but right. But it feels like forever ago. Yeah. It's it easy feels to like, forget. Yeah, it feels like it was a lifetime ago that Troy Brower played here. Yeah, 13 you know, games that season. I mean, yeah, that was obviously the uh the COVID shortened season, but he was, I think he came in, did he come in on a PTO or somebody else came in on a PTO that season? And uh, yeah, I don't recall. I, I, I want to say he came back in on a PTO and then the blues liked what they saw again in preseason signed him. And then, you know, the rest is history. Well, the good thing for me is that December 10th, 2019, he scored that goal against Buffalo. So I remember that that's really the only game where he had any sort of impact was that goal. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it was just kind of playing the gritty role. He had seven penalty minutes. So there you go. But uh, yeah. yeah, not often do you see a guy who played less than a hundred games for the franchise, get the number less for regular season games. But uh, mm-hmm. I think this is a good pick because a lot of people remember yeah. the goal in 2016. Uh, maybe some people remember him coming back for a short stint a couple seasons ago, but uh right. A good pick. And, you know, despite the fact that he played for the Blackhawks, I think a lot of Blues fans like him a lot. Obviously, you know, getting revenge against the Blackhawks in yeah. 16. I mean, so. you could say the same thing like about Brandon Saad. You could yeah. be able to say the same, you know, a number of these guys who played against their former teams, especially in division that yeah. are now playing up, you know, playing for the Blues or did play for the Blues or, or whatever. So, yeah. So um, Troy Brower is absolutely my guy here for for 36. All right, before we get into it, I'd like to thank the listeners. Remind you to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single show. Give us a review if you love what we're doing. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBNPod. And be sure to follow us on our personal accounts at Ethan Carter SW for me. And Mike's is at M underscore Meyer three. And you can chat with us throughout the week. The Blues have four more games this week. We'll get into that later. They had four games last week. And uh, I mean, hey, you said three and one. I said two and two. I really struggled, but you were more right. I really struggled. I wanted to say four and oh, I really, really wanted to, but I didn't want to be able to get my hopes up here too terribly much. So yeah, I'll, I'll still take, I'll still take three and one here as a, as a loss for me as a positive loss. So fair. It was a good week. They play well for the most part. I think one big takeaway for me is the fact that they're able to still win these games when they're getting kind of ambushed like they did against the Capitals. But if you Mm -hmm. look back the beginning of the week, the Avalanche game, uh, Bennington coming up huge. You have Mm -hmm. the situation at the end of the game with the five on three, really a six on three, and they survived that. I think that right there is kind of that like starting to get to the peak of a winning streak when you win a game right. like that and you survive right. that late. But uh, I'll say this. I feel like when Thomas and Kyrou were playing well, I think it changes the the dynamic of the entire team. Yeah. Um, those two have been just money for this team. And the fact that they're doing it here separately, mm-hmm. but then you do see them on the ice here together. Like th- this is a, this is a duo in the making. This is a, a cornerstone piece. I mean, it's, it's obviously those two are cornerstone pieces here for the future um, here moving forward. But the fact that these guys are able to just 
dominate the game when they are. And I know that so many people wanted Cairo just to be moved already. They wanted him to be traded. Like, I can't believe that he was signed, was, was signed to this deal. It's going to be a one and done. And it's like, guys, it's so early in the season. It's so early in the season here. But yeah, the the fact that those guys are able to be able to do it, um, I I still think the two biggest factors were O'Reilly and Buchnevich. I was pinpointing them out here as guys who were just struggling, and it was a large weight here for the Blues. Um, you kept seeing a number of chances that were coming both of their ways, and they just could not convert. And you've seen it here this past week. Buchnevich took off. Seven points in four games. Holy cow. That'll work. That'll do, Pig. That'll do. Well, I'll say this. I think uh, one interesting thing to look at this week Mm -hmm. is if Tarasenko is back in the lineup on Monday, does he move Kairou off of Thomas's line? Because Thomas and Buchnevich, I think those guys are going to be together. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they probably will put Tarasenko back on that line with those two. But after last night against Anaheim, Saturday night, I think it's hard to justify not throwing them out there in another game. So do you start Tarasenko then on the third line? That's the issue, because I don't think you want to break up O'Reilly and Saad either. Yeah. Um, but I think what Lilo's looked real good there, too. Yeah, yeah. I meant he's, to he's been a huge. He's been a huge unsung hero. You yeah, know, he's he's a guy who's not getting on the point the the score sheet here necessarily. Like he's got two assists this past week, but boy, yeah. he's looked good. Yeah, he does a lot of little things well. Him and Pitlick mm-hmm. both have been that way mm-hmm. uh, this season, and you could add Alexandrov and Echari into that conversation as well. Uh, what mm-hmm. I expect Ruby to do is likely just take Torpchenko out of the lineup, put Tarasenko in. I know the listed lines have Buchnevich, Thomas, Torpchenko, uh, but you saw a lot of Kairou with those two last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm expecting Tarasenko to hop back up with those guys, and you probably just go with the line that they started the season with uh, for Kairou, which was with Bar- – or not – or last season, I should say, with Barbashev and Shin um, and Kairou. That was a line that we saw a little bit of last season. So you keep the – I mean, Braden Shin's playing really well this season, and Barbashev yep. is doing a lot of things well. He's just not scoring at the pace that we saw last season, which we all expected. Um, but, I mean – I think that'll be interesting to see what they do with Tarasenko when he returns, but I'm expecting you probably just go with the safe move and you put him back with the guys he's been with all season. Yeah. And I, I would not be surprised to see guys moved around. I mean, especially it's no disrespect here to the Anaheim ducks. It's it's, it's not, I, I have the utmost respect here for every single one of these NHL players. They, they will absolutely just murder me here on the ice any single day of the week. I mean, like they could have their kids out there and they would probably do better than what I would. The Anaheim Ducks are not good. They're not good. No, no. And so it's going to benefit the Blues that they can mix these lines up here as the game goes along, if need be. Um, if in the event that Baruby wants to just kind of rest a couple of their guys, throw out some of like the bottom six a little bit more frequently, what have you. It it can also really benefit Tarasenko, who was feeling ill. You know, that's what they were saying is that he is sick. Um, 
it's it's going to benefit him if they bring him back and they just ease him back in. Why not? I don't see a reason why they couldn't or why they shouldn't. You know, if you're if you're going to see a potentially another six to two game, why not? Why not just ease the guy in? Yeah, give him give him 12, 13 minutes. Yeah, I wonder if they do consider that. I'm not sure how they'll play it, but uh, if you look again at last week, I would say the Chicago game was pretty much expected exactly what mm-hmm. would happen in that game to happen, and it did. I mean, the Blues are simply a better team, despite the fact the Blackhawks have gotten off to a better start than a lot of people expected. But uh, you know, the Blues mm-hmm. won that game pretty easily, uh, five to two, and uh, you you kind of saw. A lot of what you want in that game from Ryan O'Reilly had two points. Kairou had a couple points as well. Uh, Barbashev had a couple points in that game. So just a a very, you know, what the Blues have been doing to the Blackhawks in the last few seasons happened again mm-hmm. on their ice. So, yep. And Nolachari yep. had two points in that game as well. Uh, and then you look to the next game, which was the weirdest game of the week, probably the Capitals game. <laughs> Blues came out flying. This is a Capitals team that's been struggling, and they were struggling going into this game, so you knew they would have something, and they did because they had about 142 shots on goal. In the uh, last 40 yeah. minutes especially. Yeah. yeah, and the Blues get off to a 3 nothing lead. They lead by three after one period. It was feeling good, mm-hmm. and I think Grice played really well in that game, Um, but he had to save for – like, Grice – has a ton of shots against him this season. Like if you look at the mm-hmm. games he's played, mm-hmm. 42 shots against, 41. He came in against the Kings when they were just getting blown out. He saved 11, 35 against Philly, and 51 shots against against Washington. So they are making Grice work in the four starts that he's had. I don't I don't think I was ever going to say this during the season especially before thanksgiving thank god we have grice yep i i never imagined saying that ever but boy he has looked real good and it's in a very weird way because he's given up plenty of goals but it's also like he's facing a ton of shots and Mm -hmm. keeping them in games so that's mm-hmm. really what you want out of a backup like that. If you're going to be giving up that many shots, and obviously the Capitals are a desperate team at this point, mm-hmm. you're going to need somebody to save them. And he's been doing it enough to justify you know, having him there. And I know there's been some losses from him, but I pin that much more on the team in front of him than him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. he's He's been hung out to dry a number of times. You know, there's there's goals that – yeah, he would like to be able to have back. I mean, every single goaltender has goals like that they would want to be able to have back. Bennington had a number of them here already this season. I don't think that a guy like Thomas Grice should be expected, especially at his age, to just make all-star saves that seem like that they should be, you know, that he's playing in his prime for whatever value that that is. But holy Rap. He has looked good. You know, he he made another dazzling save. Like they showed back to back nights um, here with the dazzling save, the glove save that he made looked extremely similar to the Bennington save that he made the night before. Mm-hmm. And it's just 
thank God we have Jordan that we have Jordan Bennington and Thomas Kreis here on this team. That's all I can say. Yeah, they've both really played well. I mean, Bennington's numbers are improving as well. He was under mm-hmm. 900 on his save percentage uh, during the streak, and he's kind of brought it back. He's over 900 again, so that's Wait, which, good. Which which streak are you talking about? Well, of are course. About, the, are we talking about on on the winning streak or on the losing streak? Because the losing streak, of course. But I, they I are only the streakiest ta- team. I only want to talk about the winning streak right now. Fair. That's all I want to talk about. And I'll say this about Buchnevich. He had two points against Colorado, but I think the Washington game was the one where we saw a lot of what we saw last season. The mm-hmm. way he was shooting the puck and obviously mm-hmm. his shootout winning goal. Uh, I think that was the game that may have brought him back because he follows it up Saturday night with five points. And, uh, yeah, they were just putting on a clinic. I mean, I know the Ducks started to yeah. carry some offense late, but it was too late. And, obviously, John Gibson gets pulled, gave up five goals. I'm glad I dropped him in fantasy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the Blues just – they got after it. Yeah. Is there – I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but I also don't want to focus on every single last positive that this team has been going through. Is there a negative that you can pull away here from this that you're like, you know what? I know that they're winning, but they're winning in spite of this. Um, I would say shots against would be the first thing that comes to my head. Like they're giving up a lot of shots. Okay. And the goaltenders are helping them to, you know, keep them in the game uh they did give up 32 last night which isn't that bad but also it's like there were some moments where they just let the ducks take it to them Mm -hmm. and uh that wasn't ideal but i would also say like obviously the washington game was a desperate team against them colorado had a ton of shots that was just a product of them being really good so that was really the only thing i can think of i feel like the communication and the coverage has been a lot better uh, without Pareko, I, I would say, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, whatever reason it's, it's, I mean, Pareko was pretty good against Colorado. Obviously everybody talks about the big yeah. time hit on McKinnon late, but, uh, they've really played well, especially like they've shown they can move Rosen and Mikula around the lineup and it doesn't matter. Like yeah. Mikula has been great. Rosen yeah. is playing with a, t- Rosen is playing like he thinks he's like Eric Carlson or Kale McCarr, like the way he's. Uh, going uh, toe in the line, it's just it's really something, really something. Four points to nine games for Rosen, really something. I I don't think I thought that we, I don't think any of us thought that we'd see Mm-mm. this version of Callie Rosen, Callie Rosen, where he's just like walking the line, making plays with the puck, shooting it. it it's bizarre to see, but it's great. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and the only bad thing that I want to be able to say, it's still the penalty kill. Yeah. Beyond the first three games, three, four games, you know, they looked fantastic. And then for whatever reason, it's been sprouting leaks every single every single game. And I just I don't understand what they need to do to be able to fix the penalty kill. I mean, like I'm I'm no expert here in this, but you gotta get something figured out. I mean, like this this week here, they were 23rd in the league with 66.7% success rate. Not good. No. Not good. They were tied with the Kings 
but like the company that they're with surrounded, you know, up above them here is the Boston Bruins. Then you got the Kings, the Blue Jackets, and the Ducks all around them. That's not company I want to be associated with. Nope. So when you do get Colton Perico back, you need more from him. And yeah. I get it, you know, that you've you've had call him your number two, call him your number one, call him your number five, call, you know, whatever that he is and whatever he decides that he's going to end up being on any single given night. They, they need him. They need him to be physical because when he is physical, look out. He doesn't need to be physical, but he needs to play with some sort of like an edge here to him. Because there's times, man, where he just, he looks lost and I don't get it. And as we have seen already with Mikola, Krug, Rosen, Tucker, there are guys who are willing and capable to step up, take the ice time and run with it. And he's got to do something. He's got way too much of a contract here left for the Blues just to feel like that they are just stuck with him. And just to sit him and play him really only sometimes on the power play, sometimes here on the penalty kill, and most of the time we're just going to play him five on five. Yeah. It, it's 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 not going to make any sense. It's just going to be the huge penalty, or it's going to be a huge cap hit here for the Blues. I mean, it already is. but especially when the team is still struggling on the penalty kill, they got to do something. Well, and the guy who's come in for him, Tyler Tucker, Mm -hmm. is literally the opposite in terms of physicality because he's not afraid to mix it up, and he throws a ton of hits. Yeah. Trying to pull up. What does he have here right now? Any idea? Let's see. I'm sure his hits numbers is going to be lower than it should be. Tucker right now, yeah, I mean, he's he's got five hits or eight hits, five blocks in three games. I will totally take that. Yeah, that and trend. I think he probably has more hits than eight. I think they shorted him there. Yeah. It feels like he – and he's got the fight under his belt. Good mm-hmm. old-time hockey fight somewhat with uh, with Carrick last night against the Ducks. Mm-hmm. That was good to see. Unfortunately, he's going to come out when Pareko is back. I don't know what Baruby is going to do with the pairings in that case because I feel like right now they running good. running with Letty Mikula seems to work because Malik Mikula actually hits guys and can defend, unlike Pareko a lot of times. Not a knock, mm-hmm. but it is a knock. And then Rosen, do you put Rosen and Pareko together and just swap those out? I don't think they'll do that, but, I mean, they could. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you're not touching Krug and Falk. Likely not, no. And I think Bruby's try Krug and Preco together. That's not going to work. No, they tried it whenever he first came to St. Louis, and yeah. it didn't work. And I guess the mindset to be able to put them back together again is they've had a longer time to potentially gel and learn from each other and practice and you know whatever, be able to build the chemistry. But it it yeah. just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. They can try it all they want, but it just doesn't. And so at this point, like, does it, does it, 
you want to say like, oh, does it make sense people to move? Does it make sense people to move Pareko? Sure. Financially, I would, I would love it. Financially, it makes sense. Sure, I get it. But you also don't have that deep of a talented defensive prospect pool to, to build off of. You have a lot of number six, seven, five, maybe four defensemen. Yeah. You don't you don't have a top two. But the difference with those guys and guys like Pareko is that those guys are not afraid to be physical. And sure, guys like Tucker are not out of position very often. I think we see Pareko out of position a lot. Yeah. Um, and I would say this, I think it would be worth it just to get rid of Pareko's contract, get some assets in return, because it seems like teams like him still. Yeah. And reassess your defensive situation next year. Because I think you could still be competitive with what they have right now without Pareko, just because they're starting to actually score. You would think that they're going to continue to score because this lineup has too many guys top to bottom to be that inconsistent in scoring goals. So, and your goaltending is good enough to, to win games. We've seen that during this uh, winning streak. So I don't think it would be the worst move in the world if they traded Preco, but I will also say this, it ain't happening. I can promise you it's not happening unless they're out of a playoff spot and a team actually wants him and will give up serious assets to get him. It's not happening because I don't think Armstrong views him the way that we and a lot of fans and other people view him, which is he's not the same player he used to be. And for some reason, he still refuses to be physical. I don't know if he's afraid of getting hurt. I I mean, I guess you could say, well, he made one huge hit on McKinnon and then he hasn't played since. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that's a something to think about here, but uh, not ideal. The good thing is his injury doesn't seem to be related to his back. That's a good thing. Um, so you'd think he'd that be back. That was the first thing that I was worried about. Yeah. You would think that he, and they were being kind of weird about it for like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then they said it wasn't related, but uh, yeah, I would think that he'll be back this week. I would assume, unless it's worse than we thought. Um, and I'm interested to see how they play with him back. And it's, there's a chance they're going to get him back against a team like Buffalo or Tampa or mm-hmm. Florida. So, well, it's not like mm-hmm. Buffalo's good, but they can score. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um man, I we thought the defense was an enigma before. And I think we just I think we cracked the surface and I think a pretty good amount. But especially when we've seen guys like Tyler Tucker now come up and play the way that he has, and then even Callie Rosen play the way that he has. Yeah. And Mikola increase. I don't know the right word here. I mean, like he he's taken leaps and bounds ahead. I mean, he's definitely progressed in the right way. Yeah. I don't know if it's sustainable. That's the big thing. You know, we saw really good stretches here from Mikola last year. And then Barubi really, really opened him up and used him in a lot of situations. And he just, he kept getting exposed. Call it his youth, call it, you know, growing pains, you know, whatever that it is. But Mikola just may not be that guy. And maybe he's just taking his time. We'll see. 
Yeah, that could know, be the case. The defense still, in my mind, just is not it, – it doesn't have that prospect pool. You could say, well, you've got Marco Scandella, sure. You could say you've got Perunovic. Okay. No offense, I don't know what you've got in him at the NHL level. I, I just I just don't. He looks good on paper. Looks real good on paper. He looks good in a couple of brief flashes that we've seen him. I want to see him play 40 games. Call me crazy. I want to see him play 40 games before I am willing to say, yeah, this kid's a top two defenseman. Absolutely. Let's make some deals. Get him all the chances here in the world. He's still a kid. And the Blues defensive prospect pool, current depth chart, it's just, it's so incredibly weak. And so moving a guy like Pareko out without getting a halfway decent player here in return, I don't know. Like you said, like I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to be able to make that move. Don't know. I think Edmonton and Toronto will be the two ones desperate enough to do it. Edmonton and Toronto are in every single team trade known to man. But those types of teams have been weirdly obsessed, at least from a fan perspective, yeah. of in yeah. Pareko for a long, especially Toronto, because yeah. he's from Ontario. You know, you got to make sure that right. they, they want Portuzo since he's from Ontario as well. Yeah, I like I like Portuzo. No, he's not going anywhere. I like Portuzo. I don't want to move him. Unless for some reason, you know, like we're trading him like and, and you got Chuck Fletcher on the other line and somehow first round you're, pick, get, yeah. you're getting a first round pick or something like that here in exchange. So connect me in a first for Bortuzzo. I'm down. Oh my gosh. Oh, don't you tease do, me. You do, do, do a little bit of salary stuff here and there with that one, but don't, don't tease me with that. Don't tease me with that. All right. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. You had four games here this past week. Who is your... Who's your guy from this past week? Mm. If you had to pick one guy. I'm going to go with Robert Thomas. Um, Old Matchbox 20. Really making, really, really making plays with the puck again, just like we saw yep. last season. Had some great passes last night against the Ducks. I keep saying last night, people are going to think they played Sunday. It was, it was Saturday. Uh, getting his numbers back on track. I mean, he he did he didn't play great against Washington mm-hmm. in terms of he was on the ice for a couple of goals. So do with that what you will. I mean, he was great in the faceoff circle and did have an assist. But uh, Colorado, he had two points. He's really good. Three points against Anaheim. Uh, just making plays and shooting the puck too. He had five shots against Anaheim. I almost said last night again. Jeez. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Robert Thomas played really well. He's back to being what we would thought he would be this season. And I think his numbers are just going to get even better. I mean, he's got 15 points in 17 games. I think by the time he plays 35 games, I think he might be over a point per game by then. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really coming on strong here at this point. And I fully agree. I mean, he is, he's the blues number one center here of the future. And without his play, especially when you had a struggling Ryan O'Reilly, I don't even want to know where this team is at without him. I don't think this team goes streaking. I don't think that this team is anywhere close to what we're looking here at. For me, my guy, it's Bennington. 
It's it's Bennington. Over this past week, he played three games. He went three and zero. He saw the most shots. I mean, by one, but he saw the most shots out of any single goaltender at 106, stopping 100 of 106. A 2.00 goals against average and a 9.43 save percentage. That'll your work. team, your team does not go four and zero, even three and zero without Jordan Bennington here in this net. There are a handful of guys that could potentially have matched that record. Several of them in the Central Division. Jordan Bennington is absolutely the reason and a major reason why your team is where they are, good and bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's all for the better here as opposed to it being a reason why the team is where they're at in the standings. So it's it's Jordan Bennington here, hands down. Hands down. Yeah, I would I would agree um, from that perspective. I just, Robert Thomas, you know. Oh, I, you can't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if you didn't go Robert Thomas and you went Jordan Bennington, the the – Shoes been been on the other foot. Like let's let's be real. Yeah. I would have gone Robert Thomas here easily on that fan. You know, I want to be able to go Buchnevich. He has really turned things around. You know, he had a huge point outburst, like you said, five points here, like in one game. Looked fantastic. Yeah, you wouldn't be doing what he's doing without Thomas. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I <laughs> I've been impressed with um the bottom six for quite some time as well. So shout out to those mm-hmm. guys. Alexandrov's come in and played really well. He might be stealing Torpchenko's ice time, which I thought Torpchenko had a pretty good game last night. I did it again yep. against the Ducks. He had a pretty good mm-hmm. game against the Anaheim Ducks, which they played on Saturday night, by the way, folks. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't see any lineup changes once Tarasenko's back anytime soon, barring mm-hmm. injury in the forward mm-hmm. department. So We'll see. Uh, I suppose we should maybe go around the central for a minute here. Check out what's going on around there. Yeah, we're about, we're almost to the quarter pole here of the season. And if you look, especially like in the MLB, the quarter pole is quite possibly one of the biggest signs and indicators of what do you truly have in a team? And so this is a good time, I think, here for us to really look and see what do we have in all of these teams here so far this season. So let's just take a quick, quick peek here. Let me load up my my stats here again. What's one of the biggest shocks here for you, Ethan Carter, this season from any single team in the Central Division? Number one, I will say Minnesota has been even worse than I expected them to be. I didn't have them as a team that would be in the playoffs, but they've been just flat out bad to watch. They have the same amount of points as the Blues. The Blues have a game in hand. Um, But my biggest surprise is Dallas. I thought Dallas would be good this season. I had them second or third, I think, in the division. Third, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've been really, really good. Like Their goal differential is off the charts. They have 24 points, which is the – which is tied for second most in the Western Conference with LA, who's behind Vegas. Um, they're three points ahead of the Avs and Jets, but those teams have two games at hand 
on them to be fair, but Dallas has just been like probably the most consistent team in this division all season. They've pretty much been good mm-hmm. all season. Um, and a big part of it is obviously how good Jake Gottinger's been uh, with a 927 in 11 starts. That's legit. I mean, just Jason Robertson is so good. 27 points in 18 games. I, I'm so blown away by him. Yeah. And he's a guy where you can make an example like, hey, spending a year in the AHL is not a bad thing because he did that and look at the results. So if Jake Neighbors mm-hmm. is in the AHL for the rest of the season or most of it, that's fine because Jason wait Robertson a was an minute, AHL player. Are you saying that we're going to get a guy that has 27 points in 18 games? Well, probably not, but it would be nice for him <laughs> to produce somewhere in that neighborhood. I would, I yes. would think. I mean, yeah, but like Jason Robertson's a great example of that because if you're going to call somebody who's a first round pick of a couple of years ago a bust just because he went down to the AHL uh, during the COVID shortened season, Jason Robertson played 60 games in the AHL, had 47 points, and then they bring him into the NHL that season. They had three games, one point. Next season, he has 45 points in 51 games. Last season, 79 points in 74 games. And now we see what he's doing this season. So he's an example that you can do that and still be successful later on. And obviously, Mm -hmm. Jamie Benn, who none of us like for the most part, is having a good season. Uh, Sagan's been healthy. Pavelski's still really good. So, yeah, this is a good team. This is a a balanced, fairly deep team Mm -hmm. with, I think – a little bit more explosiveness up front than they've had in their previous good teams. Like if you look at their team in 2019, they didn't have Robertson. I think he changes everything because their top six is pretty much the same with the addition of Robertson Pavelski of a few years ago when they did make it to the second round of the playoffs, took the blues to seven games. So uh, it's good core. They play in a good system. I know it's a new coach there, but I've been really impressed with Dallas this season. Yeah, it's it's certainly hard not to be impressed. And I think when we discussed the Dallas Stars here this offseason, I think one of the biggest points that we had mentioned, I mean, obviously, because Robertson was not resigned then. But one of the biggest factors I think that we looked to was what is the success level of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan going to be? Because they are going to almost live and die depending on how those two perform. And they have been really really good so far this season Sagan more so than Ben but Ben I think has been playing a lot better than what his score sheet reflects you know he's been asked to do a lot of different things here and so uh, I don't I won't say complete hats off here to Jamie Ben I have a hard time doing that but Jamie Ben especially has been playing some decent hockey now if some stars fans want to be able to correct me, please correct me because you know I, I can only end up watching so many different um, clips and short and reels and stuff here. You know, I've yet to actually watch a full Dallas Stars game. But from what I've seen, he's looked good. He's looked good. Um, my biggest shock here so far, or at least one of them, um, I'm gonna stick here still in around the top of the league of the of the division here, but it's gonna be up north with the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know if it's just because I enjoy the Winnipeg Jets or not, but I'm going to hone in on this team. I have a very specific take on the Jets, by the way, but go ahead. So this is a team that made little to no moves this past off season. And somehow this team has really taken off. 
no pun intended just did that and i'm just now also hearing what came out of my mouth um you know they got rick bonus and now they're 10 5 and 1 second in the central one of the biggest surprises here for me is josh morrissey one goal 15 assists in 16 games yeah he's been good he's been a monster here Kyle Connor's been really quiet on the score sheet. He's been putting up more assists here than goals. It's very, very uncharacteristic of him, but I got the feeling like he's going to be able to pick it up here shortly. Um, however, this is also a team that I don't know if this is sustainable. I, yeah. I, I want it to be, but boy, it. I would like to confirm that it's not sustainable. Two point um, eight eight goals for per game. Yeah, Forty six three eight goals against per game. They don't have that great of a power play at twenty point four, but a decent penalty kill at eighty five percent. I don't. To me, you're not outscoring your problems. But you're just you're doing just good enough, and that's all it takes. They don't ask you to win by three points. They don't ask you to to win by you know so much. They just ask you to win the game. Yeah. So I just I don't know if it's sustainable, but I'm impressed. Is. Yeah. Well, they're relying on Hellebuck to do everything because David Riddick hey, so is the not Rangers. A, it's true. But the, the Rangers, Rangers have too. the Rangers have a way way higher ceiling in terms of their lineup than this Winnipeg team does. Uh, the Rangers have a better D and I think probably a better top few scoring. Like I would take Panarin and Zabinajad and those guys over what the Jets have. But also Riddick is not good. Uh, Hellebuck's been out of this world. He's eight eight forty six quality start percentage, which is off the charts. Uh, he's allowing. You know, he's given up 27 goals in 13 starts, uh, but they just don't score. Like, Shifley is their only double digit scorer with 10 goals Again, in 16 I, games. Connor's been quiet, like, uncharacteristically quiet. And so is Buchnevich. I get the feeling like yeah. it's just going to be a matter of time before Connor just truly again. I'm not going to say takes off. I'm just, I'm not. It's a matter of time before he just clicks and just goes off. Injuries are an issue, too. Ehlers is out. Mm-hmm. Appleton's mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. That's another problem they have, especially when you have to replace the scoring of a guy like Ehlers. Uh, mm-hmm. He had three points in two games before he got hurt. Um, I just don't think they score enough, and I don't think that they're going to be in this version of the NHL. I don't think you can be this good for that long in the season without scoring. Yeah. And I think Hellebuck, when you're going to want him to, they're going to want him to play 65 games. I don't know how long you keep that up, um, especially with that lineup in front of them, which I don't think is that great. But, I mean, hey, give them credit. They've won games. Uh, they only have six regulation wins, which is the same amount as the Arizona Coyotes, by the way, um, which is a weird stat, but it's true. <laughs> uh, so I, I just I don't think that they're going to be able to keep this going. Could they be a playoff team? Maybe, but yeah, yeah, I don't I don't see it. Yeah. Well, and the Arizona Coyotes have been, uh, uh, they're turning it around 
it's it's a weird statement to say, but it's something that shouldn't be surprising given how long their team has been bad. Yeah. It's 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 like okay, it's about time. Well, Keller's truly just just leading the team, doing what he needs to do. There's something known as being quote fun bad. Like when you're bad, but your team is still fun. I think there's a lot of bad teams yeah. in the NHL that are fun. Arizona yeah. has been that way. Chicago's been that way. Um, I would say uh, Columbus has not been that way. Ottawa's not okay. been that way. Anaheim yep. hasn't been that way. But there's there's a couple of teams that are in the Central that are bad, but they're also fun, mm-hmm. which really mm-hmm. just comes down to if you have expectations to be bad, but you can be bad in a way that you're like scoring still and staying in games and winning games here and there. That's how you're fun bad. And obviously the Blackhawks yeah. literally have the, uh, they're tied with the blue jackets or well tied with the, uh, yeah, they're tied with the blue jackets for third least amount of regulation wins because the Anaheim ducks don't have any apparently. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I mean, it's still early enough in the season, but you can definitely tell a lot of trends at this point in time. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's sustainable here for Winnipeg. Again, just really kind of bring it full circle. I don't think it's sustainable here for them, but you're at least making the most of what you've got. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and, and that's good for them. But I I don't think it's sustainable. I'm happy. I'll be happy to say, oh, it was sustainable, and they're just doing. But statistically speaking, I don't think it's sustainable. So fair. That's fair. Yeah. You'll take a look at the week ahead. Yep, big week ahead. Four more games. Uh, Starting tonight, tomorrow night. Tonight, technically Monday, 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 Monday. November twenty first. Yep. Weather's going to be improving around me this week. It's been very cold. I don't, I hope that doesn't ruin the mojo with the weather improving a little bit in the, in the areas. So um, we'll see if it does the ducks. Yeah. Playing them again, kind of weird. Uh, I think it's going to be just, a very physical game. I think these teams yeah. are going to get physical because they did late in that game uh, Saturday, but uh, the ducks are bad. Yeah. The ducks don't have any wins in regulation. I had to double check that. That is Bizarre. Wait, wait. Seriously, I did yeah. not. Overtime win. They have what three overtime wins and uh, two shoot or wait one two, yeah three overtime wins and a couple shootout wins. Wow. Yeah, they beat Wouldn't San Jose, be... Detroit, San Jose, Toronto, of course, and then Seattle. Wouldn't it be wins. so St. Louis to give them their first regulation win? It would be, yeah. Be oh. Yep, it would be, no doubt. But hopefully oh, it doesn't. Totally, it would be totally a St. Louis thing to be able to do that. But this team flat out can't defend. They can't really do anything. So I don't think the Blues should have any trouble scoring against them. Yeah. Um, But it's enough about the Ducks. Should, should we say and project another 6-2 win? I'll seven say to one seven to four. I'll, I'll give the Ducks a few goals. I think, I think they'll score a couple ugly ones. And and Zegris just tries to do so much out there. Mm-hmm. He's got so much skill, but 
he he I mean he almost killed his teammate with a pass last night late in that game. So I don't know. Yeah. What to expect from him. Yeah. Well, and then they go on the road and they go and see their best boy, Tage Thompson. They hit up a couple of uh a couple of Atlantic teams here. So they go and they see Buffalo Sabres, the seven and eleven Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, they've come back down to earth. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But they, uh, I mean, you got you got Tage Thompson. Yep, twenty-two points in eighteen games. Darlene, just a man on a minute. And the last time that we talked about the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, it's a complete just one-off random comment. I did not give Rasmus Darlene the the credit that he deserved because the man was just, I mean. He was, I believe, either at or just above a point-per-game pace, and he's still above a point-per-game pace here, 20 points in 17 games. Skinner's looking good. Tuck's looking good. There's a lot of guys who are, are just leading the charge. Olofsson. Oak Poso, nine points in 14 games. I don't know how many him. of these – I don't know how many of these are primary versus secondary assists because, like, he could just be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Don't know, but what was the Sabres team that's lost eight games in a row? So they started the year seven and three. They're now seven and 11. Obviously, Mm -hmm. this is a team with a lot of young talent, but I don't think the Blues should have any trouble beating them. If we're being honest, I just don't don't see. I mean, it is one of those games where you never really know what's going to happen. Last year, when they went to Mm -hmm. Buffalo, they dominated. I think Tarasenko had a hat trick in that game in Buffalo yeah. last season, but they score goals. They're ninth in the league in goals for 26th in goals against. They play um, on Tuesday against Montreal. So hopefully they break their losing streak there. So the blues don't have to play a team that's lost nine in a row at that point, if they mm. lose to Montreal. So yeah, we'll see. Jeez. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have really any issues in this. So mm. then they head South. Play some Florida boys back-to-back games here Friday, Saturday, because, of course, you know, they got Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving off for those of you outside the States. Yeah. Then they take on Tampa. Is that a TNT game on Friday? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, it is. That's they a TNT. To, yep. TNT game. Flyers, pins, and then Blues and Lightning. Last year on Black Friday, the Blues lost in overtime to the Blackhawks, so – that wasn't fun. That. They had a lead in that game, but uh, DeBrinket mm-hmm. scored the game winner. He's no longer in Chicago, by the way. They traded him for nothing. Uh, Tampa is on a four-game win streak. They beat Dallas. They beat Calgary. They beat Washington. They beat Nashville. They play the Bruins tomorrow, and then they have a few days off before they play the Blues. Uh, interesting game. I think the Blues have handled Tampa pretty well, considering how good mm-hmm. Tampa's been the last few seasons. Um, I'd love to say that they won't see – uh, Andre Vasilevsky in this game, but I think they will since they don't play Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Uh, he has his numbers don't look great, but it's also just a guy that you never want to face. Um, like he's got a 909, which is fine, but it's not Vasilevsky level. But uh, Tampa, don't let him fool you. They've played so much hockey over the last few years, them being 11 6 and 1, I think is right where they should want to be. So where do you see? I 
obviously Bennington's not going to play every single one of these games. Yeah. Then you get a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Do you start Grice against Tampa? No. No. And you I start don't him think against they, Florida. Yeah, I don't think they will start him against Tampa. I think they always go Bennington front end of a back-to-back. And I remember... See, okay, I don't understand that. And the reason why I don't understand that, and I and I, I do understand the logic, but you play your starter, who is presumably your better player, with with a team that has fresh legs. Then you go and you play the back to back, and you say, "I'm going to play my backup, who is presumably worse than my starter, with a team who is tired in front of me." How does that make sense? And I get it. I mean, like, and and it could always just be like a, a matchups thing. We could see Grice here with the Lightning and turn around and you play the 9-7 and 2, at least as of right now, the 9-7 and 2 Florida Panthers here with Bennington. I just think they just do it that way every time. I mean, we've seen it. Yeah. Every back to back this season has been that way. Maybe they'll change yeah, their ways, yeah. but I don't think they I don't will. know. I just I just I don't see how that makes sense. I see where you're coming from on that. I, I agree. I think that we've seen that play out too, because you look at the shots that Grice has faced in mm-hmm. those games. Uh it's mm-hmm. been on display. I mean, the the Philly game can be an example of that. They played Boston the night before. Obviously, you want to play Bennington against Boston, but the drop off between Tampa and Florida is not that big. Uh Florida's been no. worse this season, but Tampa is, you know. Mm-hmm. Tampa. So I don't yeah, know. I, you, got, I, you got 11, six and one right now at the record against again, nine, seven and two. Yeah. And Florida's got a new coach. They got some new pieces in there. They, they trade Huberto. Kachuk is obviously leading them in points, but they lose Uyghur on the blue line as well. So, mm-hmm. and then obviously you knew their goaltending would come back down to earth. I mean, Bobrovsky's not been good. Spencer Knight has been good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm just gonna say it right now: the Blues are going four and zero this week. So Ooh. let me just confirm that four and zero. Four and zero. I'm gonna write that one down. Get me to right. eleven straight. All right, you're going four and zero. Ten straight. I am going to say. Let's see. When I think they're gonna see their loss. If they're not 4 0, they'll go 3 0 1. They'll lose in a shootout to Florida. Yeah. I think they're going to go 3 1. I'm going to stick with 3 1. And I'm going to even double down and say, I think they're going to see the lost next Saturday. Against the Panthers. So you think the streak gets to nine? Yes. I'm down with that. Yeah. I think they're going to see it end in Florida. And why not? You get Matthew Kachuk with like a hat trick or something. Like just, <laughs> just let him go off. Have a day, Matthew Kachuk. It's either that or it's going to be Sasha Barkoff. He's been hurt. So. I wonder if he'll be back. Yeah, we'll see. A few days ago against Dallas. We'll see. 
So either so, thirteen eight and zero or twelve nine and zero. I'll take that. Yep. I mean, they're they're back in the mix. Yep. They're in a playoff spot right now. If the season is right now, they would be yep. playing the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in the first round. Um, that wouldn't be fun, I don't think. But still, they're in, they're in the back in the mix. So the yep. Bedard thing is over, I think. Oh, I don't think it was ever going to be a thing. It was I mean, fun it was, for a couple it was, seconds. It was fun, sure, but it you was gotta totally have something fun to come up with when you're losing every single game. So yeah, that was a good yeah. thing to go with. I mean, we all know Bedard is going to end up probably in Chicago. No, I don't think they're bad now. Well, I don't know. I think if they're ever going to rig the the lottery for Chicago, they would have done it by now in the recent new system. But um, Bedard probably ends up in Anaheim, and him and Zegra score 120 points a season for an irrelevant team that will never be good. But I hope I hope John Gibson starts Monday night yeah. tonight because I'd rather yep. face Gibson. They, I don't think they they've seemed to have struggled a little bit with Stolars for some reason. Um, so I hope Gibson starts. Yeah. Yep. All right. We'll see. I think we'll uh, wrap it up here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really think there's anything else. I mean, good God almighty, you know, we're on the huge winning streak after a massive losing streak. Things are going well. And I think things can continue going well here this week. So yeah. we'll it's see what happens. a little happens. bit of a more balanced, tougher schedule. I mean, Washington was a mm-hmm. struggling team. Chicago and Anaheim were bad. So they got some harder opponents this, uh, this week. Um, Everybody enjoy their Thanksgiving. Enjoy the fact that the Buffalo Bills are going to massacre the Detroit Lions live on television. Enjoy that before you got to watch the Cowboys for the millionth time in a row on Thanksgiving. And then, you know, Black Friday hockey is always a good time. And it's good that the Blues are playing on national TV that day. That'll be fun. Um, And not on ESPN Plus like they did last year on Black Friday. But uh, all right, we'll see everybody next week for episode number 37. Make sure to follow the Twitter account at TBN pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at at M underscore Meyer three. And we'll see you next time for episode number 37 on the Bye-bye. Blue Note podcast. Boom. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.